Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Now, I have something that I want to say that I feel is timely. I feel it's a word in season. I'm going to preach particularly from the book of Revelation, and everyone loves Revelation, right? And to one of the churches, the letters to the church at Laodicea. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, one of the unique things about evangelicals, originally all Christians, is that we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Uh, We are kind of like the constitutionalists. We don't believe the word changes, right? And uh, we're not like the progressives that just kind of come up with new stuff according to their society and what they feel. We believe the word of God is forever settled in heaven. In fact, one great saint said, a great apostle really, said the Lord showed them that we are going to bask in the power of the word of God throughout all the ages of eternity. I can't wrap my head around that, but I can tell you that his words in a measure have been found of me and they have become the joy and rejoicing of my soul. I love the word of God, are you with me? And so we like to get into the word. My opinion can't change you. What I feel cannot help you, but the word of God can do everything that you need this morning. Thank God. Good to see you, Steve. Praise God. Your wife has her arm around you. That's so sweet. Praise God. Let that be an example to all the women here. God bless you, Heather. I hope she'll talk to me today. Okay, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 15 and 16. And it says this, I know your works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, Let me read it again. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's a serious word. This is the Lord speaking to the church of Laodicea, but it's a word for all of us. And the sin that he's dealing with them about is the sin called lukewarmness which perhaps is not the worst of sins, but often it's a sin that opens the door to all other sins. We often think of adultery and murder and things like that. But lukewarmness is a drawing back from God. And it's a serious, serious condition. Now, if I asked you this morning, would you think that America, the Church of America in general, is in a time of lukewarmness? What would you say? Well, if you said yes, you get the gold star, like in Catholic school. If you really get it, you get yes, all right? Because we are in a time of lukewarmness, and I'm going to prove that to you today. And we need a new revival, and that's not uncommon. That's why our founding fathers made our country to be open to revivals. And sometimes I hear people say, how come there's all these Protestant churches that feel differently? They've all been birthed in revival. The Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Spiritful, the Holiness Movement, it's all birthed in revival. Because what happens is there's no revival that's lasted in Christendom for more than 120 years. I'm talking to 
So that's about three generations. And what happens is the first generation's on fire. The second follows a little bit. The third seems to fall away. And that's the history. Christian history tells us that. That is not just my thought. That is a truth. And so Pentecost is in its third generation. And Pentecost needs a revival. I'm going to read to you some real Pentecostalism this morning. There's a lot different. A lot more powerful. And America did a lot better when she lived closer to Jesus, I can tell you that. And our cry as a church is that God will bless every denomination. Every group will have its revival. Every group will have a new, fresh anointing upon them. And that's God's purpose and desire. And so we thank God for that. You know, when you think about being lukewarm, it's kind of like sleeping. It's kind of like spiritually sleeping. And the one thing that's interesting about sleeping is you don't know when you're sleeping. You don't know you're sleeping till you wake up. And you can have all sorts of dreams that you're eating a big, big steak or that your wife bought you a new car and brought it home to you, right? You can have all these wonderful dreams and then you wake up and there's no steak and there's no car. <laughs> you're in bed. You were sleeping, and you know, I believe there's a spiritual sleep, a lethargy, an apathy that has come upon the church because we know we think we have, but you don't know because you just know. You know it spiritually when it's given by revelation. That's the rhema. That's the living word. And that's what we need. I want you to turn with me and we'll keep your finger in Revelation 3 because we'll go back there. But in Ephesians chapter 5, we have some interesting verses I'm going to begin with verse 14. It says, Wherefore, he says, Awake thou that sleeps, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. So the word of God equates a backslidden condition with sleeping. And it says, Awake. I like that word. Awake. Wake up. Praise God. And how we need that. Wake you who sleep, and arise from the dead. So spiritual backslidden condition in being lukewarm brings a deadness into your heart. It brings a sleepingness, and you don't even know the blessing you're missing. You don't even know what God would be speaking because you're not in the place to hear it. You got to awake before you hear. And if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus today, I want to tell you, God wants to awaken you to the most wonderful thing he could ever give you, much more than anything money could buy. And it's not only for this life, it's for eternity. Awake! Now, Paul's very fair to us. He tells us a number of ways that we can be awakened and what we should do to keep awake. And I said in the morning service, and I'd like to say today, the best way to overcome lukewarmness is by keep pressing into Christ. You don't have to think about backsliding if you're walking day by day with him. And it's an interesting group of suggestions we have here. Verse 15, see then, because you want to be awakened, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly means carefully. It has the thought of being watchful. We need to watch. Not everything that comes into your home is good for you. Not everything that's on the television is good for you. 
Not everything on that iPhone and that computer is advantageous to your Christian life. You've got to walk circumspectly. And you need to tell your kids what to shut off, what to turn down, and what to kick out. One of the things I don't agree with the philosophy of today, because I'm a young man with just millennial ideas, that sometimes our kids need to hear no. Sometimes I hear parents say, well, I'm just going to let them choose their own way. I don't want to get involved and pressure them. Well, let's take that verse, train up a child in the way he shall go, and tear it out of the Bible. Let's take out instructing. I'm thankful that I have an instructor today whose birthday is in heaven, who trained me for the ministry. I am so thankful for Gordon P. Gardner. He died in 1986. I was there. I saw him slumped in his chair. But that man gave and gave and gave himself to me, instructed me for 10 years, and thank God God gave me grace to listen. But he also told me when there were things where he saw me going left or right, and like a fable parrot, he drew me back in. Folks, we need instruction. We need to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. In verse 15 again, See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Do you know one of the best gifts God gives us in life is time? And I've been dealing with God about that. Because so much time can be wasted. And how we need to use our time. Because we are not being fashioned from this world. We are being fashioned to dwell with Christ forever. And your spiritual life. How many have worked so hard on their careers? Gone to college. Gotten degrees. And they're not easy to get. Paid a big price. And gave much effort. And for this natural life it's important. I support that. But folks we're too big for this life. We're going to be with him in heaven. And he's getting ready to fashion you. To fit you into his everlasting kingdom. So don't spend all your time on this life. Redeem the time, for these days are evil. And God's got something wonderful for us that he doesn't want us to miss. Verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How many want to know what the will of the Lord is? So this is it. Verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's... Paul's talking about here is not just filling your life with the pleasures of this life. And do you notice that all the pleasures that are in this world, at least those that are contaminated and sinful, always have a hook. Drunkenness. Immorality. All of these things that are of the world and are of the sinful old nature always seem to be used of Satan to rob, kill, and destroy. So Paul warns us, don't give yourself to excessive wine. But he says this, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when I say good things, God blesses me. He kind of like tickles me, Darren, on the inside. And I get happy. Hallelujah. So the Lord says to us, be filled with the Spirit. Let me just warn you, that's not something that's going to make you weird. We're going to tell you, we're going to show you today. The Holy Spirit makes you normal. The Holy Spirit gives you His joy. 
His peace, His gentleness, His meekness. It gives you faith. It gives you a little glory. It gives you a little kick in your step. Gives you something worth living for. Even when days are mundane. Even when nothing special is going on. When you're walking with Jesus, it's a special day. There's something in your heart that excites you. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited. I love to talk about walking with God. Because walking with God is the joy of the Christian life. Church doesn't always satisfy if God comes, it does. People have problems. Churches sometimes have difficulties. Sometimes pastors even fail you. I make you a word of promise today. Jesus will never fail you. Walking with him will never disappoint you. You'll never be sorry you gave him your all. Amen. Praise God. Be filled with the Spirit. And then he shows us how to be filled with the Spirit. Paul was a master. My Look at 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, anywhere you are in God's presence, you're in church. You can sing as you're driving to work, as you're doing your duties, as you're in the home. You can rejoice in his love. And the Holy Spirit is not limited to just a church. The Holy Spirit will find you and every hungry heart that seeks him, wherever they are, whatever time of day. In fact, sometimes, excuse me, this is just my experience, but sometimes I have my best time of prayer in the middle of the night. And while I'm praying, someone beside me is serenading me. And it sounds like music to my ears. But I'm touching Jesus. Sometimes I'll pray an hour, an hour and a half at night. And I wake up so invigorated. Because then I'll go back to sleep earlier, a little later. And it's really a wonderful thing. My point is, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He hears your cry. Hallelujah. Amazing. You know, they had Christians that were deists years ago. Some of our founders were deists. I don't understand that. A deist believed that God made the heavens and the earth, that he was real, but he had nothing to do to, about involving himself in your life. That's a bad idea, and that's not true. God speaks to you. God leads you. As you seek him, he'll show you his purpose and show you his way. And that's why we praise him. Why do we praise him in church? Because he makes us praise him. We praise him because we can't help but praise him. We praise him because, he, oh, he's done so much in my life. He's done so much in your life. And because of that joy and because of the reality of who it is, we want to shout him, shout praise to him. Verse 20, giving thanks sometimes. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, awake. America needs to awaken and fast. I want to mention that tonight at 6.30, we're having a prayer meeting for our country. A Holy Ghost meeting, too, because we need to be filled with faith at this time. And I just want to remind you of that. But here's a wonderful passage. Let's go back then to uh, Revelation and continue our reading. 
So in verse 17, the Lord describes their apathy and their sleeping. And we see it here. It says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. That certainly is a description of spiritual sleeping. He says, you don't know. You're sleeping, you don't even know. You don't even know that you're poor, that you're wretched, that you're miserable, that you're blind spiritually, that you're naked spiritually. You don't understand it. And then verse 18, he speaks to them, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich in white raiment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So what is God doing here? He's calling them to be awakened. He's calling them back home. Aren't you glad God is calling us back home? Aren't you glad there's a place in God and he wants you to dwell and he's not satisfied when you are out of fellowship with him. So he calls you back. That's a wonderful verse. And there's three main subjects in it. We have fire, we have white raiment, and we have our eyes anointed. And I just want to explain to that to you. The fire is the purging. Jesus said the Holy Ghost will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. God wants to cleanse us from sins, from bondages, things in our lives that need to be taken care of. Is that not correct? Then next it says, and give you white raiment. The white raiment refers to righteousness in our lives. God wants to bring every one of us out of sleep into a place where we are being purged and we're righteous and have white garments on. And then anoint our eyes with eyesav refers to the working of the Holy Spirit. When God anoints your eyes, you have a spiritual seeing. You have a wisdom about life. You're not just on your own. You have the governing of God upon your life to lead you by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they that are led of the Spirit are the sons of God. God wants to communicate with you. He doesn't want you to just look at his split, go through your life making your own choices. He has a plan. Let him unveil it to you. I think of the goodness of God to me. Man, I was as dumb as a clock. I'm still pretty dumb. Turn off that camera. Get, delete that. There's still so many things that I wish I did better. But talk about dumb when I was in high school. I had no goal. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I wasn't studying very much. I had had a very severe um, concussion as a young man. I was actually knocked out for two hours. I never heard of that. Yeah, I fell. I was catching, and a fella came in, a big fella, about the size of your friend, came in, hit me right in the head with his knee. Then I fell on a concrete floor. Actually, it was a platform. I was out for two hours. I couldn't really read very, I could read, but after I read, I would never retain. You know, I want to tell you something. I gave myself to train for the work of the Lord in 1973. I lived with this man I'm going to talk a little bit about till 1986, which was 10 full years. In those years, I served the Lord full time. I was in ministry living by faith, and God was just storing things into me. Do you know, my wife can attest to this, I'm not bragging, I'm telling you my experience, 
When I said yes to God, he healed me. And I was really studying with the number. I had some college, but I was studying with a number who, you know, really had extensive higher education and I could retain better, read faster, and was the top pupil in the school. Now, you wouldn't believe that, but that's the truth anyhow. Is that not correct, Sister Honey? Stand up and tell them the truth. Okay. Yeah, God healed my mind. Now, it is what it is. I wish it was a lot better yet, but he, he restored me. He healed two other fellows. who, You know, when you say yes to Jesus, he does special things. And so I'm thankful for that. Praise God. So I had the privilege of training under this man, Gordon Gardner. I mentioned, I'm not going to speak lengthily of him. He's in heaven. You don't know him. But he wrote this book while I was at that training place. It's called Out of Zion. And some of you might know this. Some might not, of course that Zion City was the second place that the Pentecostal revival broke out. The first place was Azusa Street. The leader of Azusa Street was named, the man was named Charles Parham, and he was a godly man. He was the one who really began to promulgate this message of Pentecostalism, and so he went and had special meetings in 1907 in Zion. <clears throat> well, the interesting thing was, that some of the most godly assembly of God and spirit-filled people were baptized in the Holy Spirit in this city. Some of them were named, if you've heard of them, F.F. Bosworth, who wrote the book Christ the Healer. Another great luminary who came out of those meetings was John G. Lake. Uh, we had the Focklers and the Flowers who became leaders in the assembly of God. And the persons who started this particular fellowship that we're part of and this church we're part of that and the one who was the historian there as a little boy being raised in the Zion faith home was the man who trained me all right that doesn't make me any better well folks I got to tell you the privilege I had was unmistakable and very real and very humbling to be trained under a man who was under the first luminaries of Pentecost and by that when I went to the camp that I trained for ministry, you talk about moving of the Holy Ghost. You talk about people being set free and the freedom of the Spirit and seeing what God can do in services. So I just felt this morning, I'd just like to read to you just a little excerpt of the experience of John G. Lake. How many have heard of John G. Lake? He's probably one of the ones that we've heard of the most. I'm going to just read a little bit about his experience, and I don't want to read too much, so I skipped some paragraphs and have chosen those that I feel uh, will be encouraging to us. He writes this, Finally, I was led to set aside certain hours of the day, he recalled, that I dedicated to God at times for meditation and prayer. Now, let me tell you, he was so hungry. This was a time of revival and he was called to ministry, so he said he set some real concerted time. You can start seeking for 15 minutes. My mom started seeking for God for 15 minutes, and God revolutionized her, revolutionized her life. Thus, a number of months passed. It became easy for me to detach myself from my course of life 
So that while my hands and my mind were engaged in common affairs every day, my spirit maintained its attitude of communion with God. This is what we've already referred to. You don't have to be in church to have God. God can so fill you that you can feel his presence wherever you are in every hour of the day. I want to read on. Some moments passed. I do not know how many. The Spirit said, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. You are now baptized in the Holy Spirit. He didn't feel anything yet, but God told him, you're filled with the Spirit. He prayed for quite a long time for God to do that for him. Look at the result. My friend at this time motioned for me to join him in prayer for a woman. I arose to go to him, but I found my body trembling, and I had difficulty in walking across the room. As the fingertips of my hand came upon the patient's head, currents of holy power passed through my being, and I knew that likewise they passed through the one that was sick. The clenched hands opened. The joints began to work. Then the wrists and the elbows and the shoulders began to move. And the woman who had been an invalid so long arose from her wheelchair and was perfectly healed. I'm reading this to give you a little picture of what was common, which is very uncommon. We've had 35 healings here, and we're believing God to give them in fullness. The result of the baptism was to show me a new revelation of the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. A new tenderness for the lost awakened in my soul. I saw mankind through his eyes. They seemed to me as wandering sheep having strayed afar in the midst of confusion, groping and wandering hither and thither. The desire to proclaim the message of Christ and to demonstrate his power to save and bless grew in my soul until my life was swayed by an overwhelming passion. This man, filled with the Holy Spirit, went to South Africa and hundreds and hundreds of people were healed and he built a church of 10,000. What does God want to do? Who will God find? In every generation, his heart is open to anyone who will say yes. And certainly we as his people, even if he doesn't call us to full-time service, will you agree with me? We're all in full-time service. We all have friends to speak. I would never have come into a church. I was from a different persuasion. It would have been wrong for me to come to a church. But the church came out to me, thank God. Someone else who was trained by this man was burdened and got a job at my father's factory and told my mother in the middle of the day about Jesus. This person didn't know how much my mother wanted Jesus. My mother wanted Jesus with all of her heart. She sought for him, but she couldn't find him because the way you find God is by the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You can't wish it. You can't make up your own salvation. Jesus is the only way. Amen. It says in the Word of God that He is the name that is above every name, and there's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved with the name Christ Jesus. Now that seems narrow. It is a narrow way. But let me tell you what. He's the only one who died for you. 
And I heard a country boy one time say, because his children were doubting salvation, and they asked their dad about it, and he said, well, I reckon he's the only one raised from the dead. I want to tell you, Jesus has not only died for you, he's broken the power of your sin. He came out of that grave, and you were raised with him to walk in a new life. The Christian life is not forms and rituals. The Christian life is a relationship where you walk with Jesus, and he changes you even beyond things you thought you could never do or be. Things that you thought would fasten themselves for the rest of your life are broken. And Jesus comes and sets free. Thank God. Thank God. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. I want to read verse 19 of Revelation 3. Very important verse. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, I don't think chastening is ever really much fun. The Bible says even chastening is difficult for a season. But if God wouldn't chasten America, we'd continue to destroy ourselves. If God wouldn't chasten me as a young man and bring me to Jesus, I would have ruined myself. I would have never known the joy that I had. I would never know the wife he gave me. Look, I didn't have to hunt for a wife. Some people use the internet and find their wives. I'm not against that. I want to tell you there's a greater way. You know how I got my wife? I was in prayer. I hadn't had a date for 15 years, and nobody was interested. And I'm praying, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, though the vision tarry, wait for it. Donna will be your wife. How was that? Praise God. And I didn't have to convince her either, because one of the first times she came to camp, she looked over at me, and she said, that young man's going to be your husband. And she got up frantically and ran out crying. Nah, I was thin then. I had hair and everything. Praise God. I was no bargain, but I was a nice guy. But just can you think? And then when I, well, I had to go to a Bible school, I didn't have to just study all the Bible schools. The Lord spoke to my mother in prayer and said, Mike's going to be trained at camp, Pilgrim Camp. Interesting, interesting. Oh, folks, there's benefits in being chastened and responding there's benefits to coming into this fellowship. I'm going to close with that here in just a few minutes. But look at the last word in 19 that's very important to our spiritual condition. The word is repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repent doesn't say you make yourself perfect. Repenting is you turn from serving your sin, serving yourself, and you say, Jesus, I give my life to you. He doesn't ask you to change anything. He asks you to turn and open your heart. He will do the rest. How many can say amen to that? How many woke up? How many turned? How many found life? Raise your hand if you found that. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Praise God. And so we need to return and repent. Praise God. If you notice... Here in verse 20, the Lord speaks of the blessing that is for those who do this. Look at that verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, 
I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. I want to underline that word in him. Because sometimes there's a lot of outward things in church life. Sometimes there's a lot of emphasis in the last generation of how you need to dress. Well, I believe we should dress cleanly for church, and that's nice. I remember when I first became a pastor, I wore a tie on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Thank God I've been delivered. And Jesus loves me just the same. But sometimes we make so much out of the habits of church and the outward things. I want to tell you, this walk with Jesus is something that happens on the inside. When you are born again, and everyone here who is not can do that today, all you do is open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, if you'll come to me, I'll never turn any away. You can be assured if you invite Jesus to come, he comes in, but he comes in on the inside. You know, Jesus said that. Jesus was asked, where is the kingdom? Jesus said the kingdom doesn't come by observation, meaning it's not physical. You don't see it. He said the kingdom of God is within you. The apostle Paul said that the gospel, the mystery of the gospel is Christ within you the hope of glory. When Jesus talked to his disciples right before he died, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's been with you, but he shall be in you. And then his last prayer in John 17, he said, I have given them your word, and I pray that I will be in them. The last thing Jesus said, why does he have to come in us? Because the problem is within us. The problem's not without us. The problem's not the communist. The problem is the human heart. And so God comes right in, right in where the heart needs to be changed. And the Old Testament, you know the commandments of God were written on tables of stone. I'm cutting to the chase. I've memorized these scriptures. I have them written down, but I don't want to turn to them because the time is leaving. So anyway, the Old Testament, the finger of God wrote, for Moses, when he was on the mount, the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. Wasn't that amazing? Wouldn't you have liked to have seen God's handwriting? You know, the only thing I won in school was penmanship awards. I thought that was funny. Okay. You ready? Ezekiel 36, 25. 26 I'm going to read, all right? Ezekiel, actually 36. 26, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. 27, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments to do them. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is not to feel tingling all the time, and I do get tingles. It's not to give you experiences all the time, but I have had them, and everyone who comes to Jesus has them. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to set God's nature in you and to change you and to cause you live a life that will glorify him and it will be loaded with blessings and it will end in heaven with peace and eternity and reigning with him. Hallelujah. Amen. There's nothing bad 
them the gospel, but it's wild out there. There's so much deception, so many antichrist spirits, so much darkness in our society because we've left God out of the equation. But thank God America's going to come back if his people will pray. And when he comes back, there'll be healing, there'll be blessing, there'll be revival, there'll be morality. And when he comes into your home, there'll be a Holy Ghost light, there'll be a joy, there'll be a glory, and you'll never have any regrets. Come on, someone say hallelujah. Praise God. So when people came to me and, you know, they thought, thought I, my friends thought I was crazy when I got saved. Anyone else here been kind of termed crazy? Yeah, there's a few crazies out there. They all turned on me. Because they thought, you know, if you get saved, you can't do drugs. Thank you. If you, can't, if you get saved, you can't sleep around everywhere. Thank you. You can't get drunk and become an alcoholic. Thank you. You know, you have to live for this unseen God. He's unseen to you. He's not unseen to me. I know him. He has spoken to me. He's changed my life. How about you? I'm thankful I'm a Christian. I'm thankful more than the name Christian. I have. And those who have received him, we have Christ. And he is within us. And he's the hope of glory. Hallelujah. I kind of feel I'm finished. But I want to keep going. Hallelujah. So I feel him moving in this house. And I want to invite you to come today. Maybe some for the first time. Maybe some want to just say again, Jesus, I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be sleeping. I want to wake. I want to walk circumspectly. I want to be filled with his spirit in a new way, in a fresh way. And today, I give myself to you. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anyone who wants to do that today? Come on, let's close our eyes. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Lord, you died for the sins of the whole world. Everyone here in the hearing of my voice has been called to be blessed, to be forgiven, to have new life in Christ. Everyone, no exception. And so, folks, the only one that can reject and hinder God from coming is you and me. We have to be the ones that open the door. I want to tell you something about what we read. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And there's a picture we used to have here standing of that verse. And the interesting thing, there was a beautiful door and Jesus was standing at the outside, but there was no knob. The knob is on the inside. Jesus will not force himself into your life. You have to open the door. But he says, if you open the door, I will come in and sup with you. Sup means fellowship. Sup is when you begin to experience who he is. And then he says, I'm going to give you the right to overcome. Overcome what? Overcome lukewarmness. I will give you the right to sit in my throne 
as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Can you, I, I can't wrap that around my head, that those that overcome are going to sit with Jesus. By old world, there's nothing in this world like what God has for his people. Lord, each one of us today come afresh to you. And we open our hearts, wipe away any lukewarmness, any hardness of heart, any sleeping, and awaken us today. God, come into my life afresh and live in me and work in me. Be glorified in everyone that has this desire today. Jesus' precious name.